He keeps himself in trim by bending bars of iron. This bar is the genuine article which we tested before he began to play with it. All right, guys, thanks for supporting the show. I got a list of sponsors here. So first off, we got Harito Bending, harito-bending.com. You're going to use promo code CHEERS for 10% off. And a portion of that sale is going to come back to support the show. So I appreciate that. You know, everybody wants to be on the Harito cert list. I haven't heard a bad thing about the quality of his bolts. I can personally say that they're the same every time. Some really hard bolts on there. You got certs for every style, including snapping. He's also got wraps and t-shirts on there. So definitely hit up HaritoBending.com and use the promo code CHEERS. Next, we got Jed Johnson's Nail Bending eBook. If you want to check this ebook out, if you're a beginner, message me for the link because if you use this link, a portion of that sale is going to come back to support the show. We also have the Grippedo Trainer. This is an all in one grip training tool. If you use promo code Beyond the Bend, you're going to save 15% off of a sale of $90 or more. We also have Gil, former guest, barrelstrengthsystems.com. Use promo code BEYOND for 10% off. Gil's got a ton of cool stuff on there, including the flask. This is a uh, pinch device. If you can do a body weight pull-up on this thing, you're going to get on a roster. I think that's pretty cool. All right. Lastly, we have Hard Life Fightwear. That's hardlifefightwear.com or .co.uk. If you want some rash guards or something like that for jujitsu, they also got a bunch of other cool t-shirts on there. You're going to use promo code beyond the bend for 15% off. Also, if you want to get on a roster, an unofficial roster, hit up at eat chalk, get big on Instagram. If you bent a ADD unbraced or two 60 D's taped together unbraced, you're going to get on an unofficial roster. The other thing is if you snapped a horseshoe, I don't need a video. I'm keeping track of people who have snapped horseshoes just because it's a cool thing to do. If you've also snapped one into three pieces, hit me up. Or if you've snapped one laying down, there's only two people on that list, so get on it. Last thing, a couple new things coming up. I'm going to be putting out a feat of the week. This isn't really a challenge more than just like something cool to do week by week. It's going to be just like some athletic stuff mixed with some bending and snapping. So I'm going to be putting that out. And the only way to, to, to participate is just to do it and then tag me in the post and throw it up on Instagram or Facebook. The other thing is every month, I'm going to be doing a monthly challenge. We've had some really good participation lately. I want to keep that going. I have some really, thing, uh, really cool things planned. So I really appreciate everybody's support and uh, looking forward to another good year. All right. Thanks. Beyond the Beyond the All right, Darren Shalman, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Really excited to have you on. There's certain people I come across and their training just sticks out to me in a major way. I mean, when I saw Don Cummings bend in steel, that sort of like revolutionized the way I looked at steel bending. And then when I saw Bud Jeffries doing the stuff that he did, that also expanded my mind about what's possible. And 
in strength training. And then when I saw your stuff, the same exact thing happened. I was also happy that you were somewhat of a smaller guy, uh, generally closer to my size. So the stuff that you're doing is uh, even more impressive to me. So massive respect and thank you for the inspiration. Thanks. Yeah, I'm not very big. I'm only 5'5". Five five. And it, um, I'm a little heavier now, um, about 180 pounds. But for most of the most part, most of my videos, you see, I was only 160 when I did a lot of the stuff. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. I'm 5'7", 165. Uh, usually when I'm doing a lot of jujitsu, I'm like 155. But that's been a year since I've done that stuff right now. Uh, mostly is heavyweight training these days. <laughs> so, all right, I'll start it like we always do. Tell me about the first time you saw someone bend a piece of steel. Uh, first time I saw somebody do like a strongman feat was, uh, I'd say, probably 10, um, like 12 years ago. I saw Steve McGranahan tear a deck of cards because he used to be on that Country Fried Home Videos as World's Strongest Redneck. Um, that was Aaron on CMT, and he do crazy feats. And I saw him tear a deck of cards, and I thought, hey, I can probably do that. So... Um, I wound up buying a deck of, I think, Mavericks, which, you know, are the cheaper brand. And uh, sure enough, uh, before he knew it, I could do it um, because I've always kind of had big and strong forearms for my size because uh, I used to wrestle and same thing with my neck. So it was just um, and I mean, it, it was fun. And then it didn't take me long to where I think 10 years ago, I was able to wreck a, uh, rip a deck of bikes in 25 seconds. Uh, and, and, and as you know, uh, from talking with people, bikes aren't that easy. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, McGranahan's video on YouTube was actually the one that really clicked for me and was, was able uh, after watching it and working a progression from like a half deck on. Uh, it was definitely watching the way he did it that what made me able to tear my first deck, which was cool. And what's neat about him is most people do it the Dennis Rogers method with, you know, one hand clamped and um, McGranahan does it like Brookfield does with the, the twisting technique. And yep. that's the method I prefer. And I've done uh, Mavericks two and three quarters decks uh, stuck together, not quite the Brookfield three decks, but wow. when I was actually shooting for it, uh, two and three quarters, it took me a bit, but I got them. Wow. But, and that's the that's the nice thing about the McGranahan method is you can stack multiple decks because it's kind of hard with uh, the Dennis Roger technique because after a certain amount, your hand just doesn't open wide enough. Yep, yep. So was it just from seeing McGranahan's stuff that then you saw some nail bending or? Well, then I um, looked on the internet and I found like uh, Diesel Crew um, uh, Jed's old site with Jim Smith and I saw the feats they did because they used to have videos that you could download and um, this was before YouTube was big so you'd go to their site and you download videos and then they'd have all these compilations of things that they would do with Brad Martin and Eli and I thought that was kind of cool and then I found um, uh, Cyber Pump which was part of the grip board and you got to see first um, reverse bend of a red nail and um, uh, uh, feet from McGranahan and Rick Walker and and that 
back then was the early stages of Adam also coming on the scene, Adam Glass. And so his videos of bending horseshoes and because Adam used to have a blog that he posted the content on all the time called The Road Less Traveled. So I've been following those guys, Steve Weiner, for I think 10, 11 years. And then I just happened on Gripboard to find a, a grip contest, a, um, MGC, Michigan Grip Championship. So one year, I, my dad and I, we went there in Three Rivers. And then that's what got me competing. And up for past 10 years, I've been doing grip feats and competing in grip sport. Wow. So, yeah, and my very first grip contest was uh, U.S. or North American Nationals. It was held in Crooksville, Ohio at Chris Rice's house. And I actually drove the six and a half hour drive to just watch. I mean, <laughs> I didn't even compete. I didn't even know anybody there. I'd never met Jed, never met Adam. I drove all the way down there, didn't know anybody, and uh, stayed for the eight hour contest and drove six and a half hours back. That was my very first grip contest. And I mean, wow. I helped out. Um, uh, chalk bucket and I thought it was cool as hell so, <laughs> so that was the first time me had Chris Rice um Adam Glass Mike Lee who um if you get a chance he's awesome uh, or used to be awesome at horseshoe bending I'm working on him yep so at the time you saw McGranahan tearing the cards and then you found out about these grip sport things what were you doing physically? Were you still, were you heavily into weight training at that time or? I've, I'll be 36 in May. I've been lifting since I was 15 years old. Um, and I mean, and been, uh, as far as grip stuff, I've been doing it uh, since I was about 1920. Just do as your standard wrist curls. I was strong at wrist curls back then. I mean, and uh, most bodybuilding magazines, all you see is wrist curls and you're like, oh, my forearms are big. So I do more and more wrist curls. And, but yeah, and, uh, and I got into weightlifting. My dad actually lifts, but he never, and we always had a weight room at our house, but I never got into it that way. I actually bought a Ironman magazine and um, I, I read a John Hansen uh, natural Mr. Olympia beginning bodybuilder routine. And then I figured I'd try it. And at first, uh, like overhead pressing, I didn't like it because it made me dizzy. So I quit, quit doing that. But I, I started that way. And then when I was in high school and mo most football programs, you know, do bench all the time and um, uh, gym bro stuff, bench and curl. So the, the football team at the time was benching four days a week. So I'm reading this. I was like, I'm going to do squats and deadlifts and stuff nobody does. So I'm I'm squatting deadlifting doing bent over rows and dips and people are looking at me like what are, what the hell are you doing <laughs> so that's what how I started lifting and then because I was a wrestler I always had a strong neck and then uh, also I found Mike Bruce around when I was um, 20 years old so I started emailing Mike and conversing with him about deadlifts and neck work and then bought his TNT total neck training DVD and before I knew it with that, I was doing a hundred pound plate on um, my forehead for neck curls for three sets of a hundred. I mean, wow. Yeah. I think uh, there's a video of me about 10, 15 years ago doing a 45 pound plate for like 300 some reps. Wow. And I only stopped because I got bored, <laughs> but I took Mike's approach and it's just like, uh, cause for me, the lifting's uh, more mental than physical. 
I push my body because like when you do those 100 plus rep sets, it's like a marathon. Your body wants to give up, but you just tell yourself to keep going. And that's uh, most of my lifting has been like that because I'm doing some things that I shouldn't do for my size. Oh, yeah. And, but um, a lifter that uh, one of my good friends who passed away a few years ago, Don Larkin, who had the um, we'd have the grip contest with Don, Don probably Cummings probably talked about him. Don yeah. always yeah. used to tell us visualize and then attack. So he's like and he'd always say, uh, whatever you're doing, visualize. So, and he always pushed me because he, him and I were the same size. So there was things that he pushed me to do that he knew other people couldn't do. Uh, a couple of years before he passed away, one of his um, signature feats was middle finger pull up on like a two inch bar. Mm -hmm. um, and he kept telling me, oh, you can do it. And I was reluctant because, you know, middle finger stuff, you can get injured pretty quick. And he'd always try <laughs> to throw me up there. So after he passed away a month later, I decided I'm going to do that. Um, when we, when we, next time I go to his place, I'm going to do a middle finger pull up. So for probably, I'd say six, seven months, I trained different middle finger deadlifts. You name it stuff like out of Gorner's book about finger lifts. And I got to the point where I could do a middle finger pull up with, um, uh, both hands, um, or I should say uh, parallel uh, with about 45 pounds around my waist or wow. more. Yeah, I think I wound up doing a hang with like 100 pounds. And then uh, not too long ago, I actually hung by my right middle finger for two seconds. That was another goal that it took me a couple of years to get because it's like, I see all these rock climbers do it. I can do it. So yeah. that one though, I'm, it's not something I tell people, Hey, go ahead and try middle finger lifts. Cause I have cousins and stuff. They're like, how do you get in the uh, finger lifting? I said, you don't, you have to know the risk and it is the reward worth the risk. Yeah. And for me, it was because it was kind of a tribute to Don because he had wanted me to do that. And I was like, it's like, Hey, he believed in me so I can probably do it. And that's the number one thing with me is, Whatever you're doing, believe in it because there's millions of programs out there and they'll all work as long as you believe in it, whether it's 531, conjugate, uh, 20 rep squats, they'll all work to a degree as long as you believe in it. Yep. And yeah, then, no doubt. The um, Someone said uh, recently, I think I was researching uh, Stan Efferdeen and the vertical diet and um, he was just saying like the only science is compliance, you know, it's like anything will work that you actually do <laughs> and like, and believe in it, like you're saying. Yeah, because uh, like um, uh, my best friend, Andrew Pankey, the owner of FBBC right now, he does block training, the block periodization where he has different blocks like bodybuilding block, strength block, and he's having a awesome making progress. His, uh, his, his deadlift and squats have shot up. And he believes in that where I myself don't, I'm not really a fan of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now I'm kind of doing like, I do a max effort day where I do all those partials, but then the rest of the days of the week, like my pressing and my squats, I'm doing a five, three, one plus joker sets just because it's simple. The numbers are right there and you just go in and hit your numbers mm -hmm. and then you're out. And then that big day on Saturday, 
you, you go nuts with the partials, whether it's a top end squat, top end rack pull, or a top end support, which uh, basically is an overhead squat partial. Mm -hmm. But, and I, I do a lot of those just to overload the, the skeletal system and the CNS because it's not really to build muscle because I'm doing singles and I'm only moving like uh, one to two inches at most. But part of the reason I'm good at bending steel and things like that is because all that stress on my body. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to do things like walk with a 630 pound yoke because I'm constantly pushing myself with those partials. And same thing with, uh, I like to do standing holds where you put a bar on your back to stand up and just hold. Uh, Steve Weiner, uh, I saw him do a, in a video, a thousand pounds for over a minute. Wow. So, so because I wanted to improve that, I contacted Steve. It's like, Hey, do you have any tips? And he told me, regulate your breathing. Next thing you know, I'm doing 720 pounds for over a minute and now I'm doing 815 for about, uh, 30 seconds. Wow. And that, and that's one thing I found is if, if you want to do something like in the case of farmers walks or squat partials, I contacted Steve Weiner because as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the best guys at those things. Yeah. And because of that, I was able to do, I think it was, uh, my body over my body weight in each hand, 185 in each hand for a total of a quarter mile. Yeah. yeah. It took uh, 50 picks. And I, I think, like uh, 50 total sets and it was like 20 yards for like 10 sets and it was based off the idea the um that nick mckinless had about doing a mile um okay. with a certain weight so i was like well what if i tried my body over my body weight in each hand for that one and then wow. steve gave me some pointers and sure enough it took me like almost two hours to do it and non-stop going and hands were tore up but it's like, when I was done, it's like, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. right. That was probably one of the toughest things I've done as far as overall body and conditioning because I was gassed. I couldn't do anything after that. Yep. I recently read, it was actually on Don uh, Cummings' recommendation, um, Rock, Iron, and Steel by Steve Eusta. And yeah, that book is... Uh, he if covers you a lot of that stuff. Marshalls and <laughs> building strength, uh, that book, Dinosaur Training's got some tidbits in it. And then uh, if you can get the video, uh, Partial Training by Bud Jeffries, it comes with a little booklet. Um, okay. I don't actually have the video, but I borrowed it from Andy. And reading the booklet that's in there is almost more useful than the actual book. And in there, he talks with Mike Bruce, Steve Weiner, and then his experiences because uh, like top end squat, Steve's in my opinion, one of the strongest. And then as far as actual rack pulls, Mike Bruce is probably pound for pound the strongest when he, when his back was healthy because he did that 1,500 at Bud's. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he only weighed, I think, under 200. Yeah. So, yeah, and th those, uh, those two guys and Bud are proof that partials do work. Yeah, yeah. Because you've probably heard a lot of people disregard partials and say, oh, that's not a rack pull. Rack pulls whatever you want, because if you, like Bud says, if you were to do a full range lift or deadlift, you'd have the bar start below your toes. Mm -hmm. And, but then people will say, that's not safe for your back. Well, you just told me my partial wasn't real. Now yeah. I'm doing the real movement. Now you're telling me it's not safe. Yeah. What, what is it? 
you can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that endurance stuff, like you're saying, uh, walking a mile, uh, holding your body weight in each hand and all the stuff that sounds very typical of a wrestler's mentality and the uh, 300 neck curl and all that stuff. It's just like the uh, mental fortitude and uh, the wrestler's mind is uh, unique into itself. Uh, I never was a rep. My, my school didn't have wrestling. And I, to tell you the truth, I don't know if I would have wrestled at that time, but in my decade of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu training, I've shared the mat with many, many wrestlers and learned so much from them. And um, it, you, you guys are one of a kind, man. Much, much respect to the wrestlers. It's one of the toughest sports out there because it's funny. Most, um, most coaches say you should do football to get ready for wrestling. Yeah. Done with a football season. And then the first week of wrestling training, I'm gassed. And it's yeah. like, I just got done with the whole season of football and I can't even hang in one practice. And all we're doing is conditioning, you know, yeah. just runs, um, uh, wall sits, uh, push-ups, running stairs. And I'm, I, I'm dead. And it's like, I just played football for, you know, X amount of months. And so I was like, if, if, if I was to go back, I would have probably joined cross country to get ready for wrestling. Yeah. Cause I think it's a lot better fit because you know, all that endurance training, but you know, you can't go back, but yeah. And as far as that mental stuff, it's like Steve uh, Justice book where he talks about doing the two mile walk with the vest. Yeah. I saw Bud did a mile with 300. So I think I loaded up 180 on me in, um, a 60 pound and um, 120 in chains and I walked a mile and that sucked. Wow. And it was like, and it was basically around my house. So it was like uh, 150 yards. So I kept going round and round. My neighbors were looking at me funny and that, that was tough, but I want to uh, someday load up enough weight and I want to try to do 300 pounds like Bud did body weight because i'm about half bud size right because i look at guys like bud and the things he does and that's what gets me going like with those videos you see me carrying the sandbag and dragging a sled i see bud do it with a semi it's like i can do something similar and i'm smaller than he is yeah. so i see those big guys and that challenges me to try to push my limits and beat what they did or like world's strongest man i tried 18 inch deadlift the other day and i was like Novikov did this so what's divide his body weight into the lift that's what I need to do and then it's like oh I only need to do this so then uh, that's kind of how I think is uh numbers yeah I, I, I feel the muscle I mean that's good for sometimes but at the end of the day the best thing you can do is get a training log uh, that's the number one tool in this sport is training log write down what you did. I got notebooks all the way back to 2004, listing every workout, every set, every rep. Wow. Don't tell me how I felt that day. Not too much. I didn't get that detail, yeah. but I can go back and say, Hey, I, uh, 2004, I was wrist curling 50 pounds and now I'm doing, let's say 225 for X number of reps. Yep. Yep. So I want to take it back just a little bit. So Tell me about the first time you actually attempted to bend some steel after you saw the card tearing. What, what was the first thing you tried to bend and where were you? I don't actually remember that, but I do know I bought an iron mine, um, 
at the time, there was really only Iron Mine, and I didn't know about FBBC when John Beatty owned it back then, but I got the Iron Mine uh, bag of nails, yeah. and I think I got up to, uh, you know, the blue nail, which uh, back then it went blue and then straight to red, so which was a big jump. Yeah. So I, I could bend the, the blue nail, but uh, I've never been like double overhands, never been my favorite. I was never good at it. And if you watch my videos now, and uh, Don will probably tell you, and if you talk to Andy, my flexibility in my shoulders is terrible. So you won't yeah. see me bend a uh, seven inch steel. You'll only see me do, and I'll be like way, way out here, almost like a, slim farming style where it doesn't yeah. touch the body just because of my lack of flexibility yeah and i found it's like instead of working on my flexibility i'll just bend shorter steel because it's easier that way <laughs> yeah. some yeah. say but uh, i like reverse my favorite style uh david horn stuff i like reverse i mean it's fun and it's more forearm and wrist to me than full body yep yep yeah, that, I kind of feel the same way. I think it might be having to do with being a shorter guys with uh, probably shorter wingspans, but I feel comfortable, uh, much more comfortable double overhand at six inch than seven. Uh, I just don't don't like the stretch uh, there with the yeah, seven inch I, bars. I can't do it. I can't just, it puts a bind in my shoulders and it's not very fun. That's that I'll do reverse and I also like double under. Because yeah. like McGranahan says, because years ago, after I found McGranahan, he was selling two DVDs on his, uh, he used to have a website. So I ordered them. Um, They're my first, uh, uh, I, think, I guess you call it like grip um, videos. And uh, he talks about his favorite styles, double under and how yeah. it benefits the pinky and the last um, uh, pinky and the ring finger. So and after watching this stuff, my double underhand improved because even recently, I think my double underhand is probably stronger than my double over just oh, wow. because uh, the flexibility issues and just you're able to use the traps, which mm -hmm. is a strong point for me. Because uh, going back to the Mike Bruce thing, I for a while there did a lot of network and a lot of power shrugs like Mike. And I got up to uh, about the 700s. And then I was able to do 405 for 102. I mean, just more endurance stuff because yep. endurance things for me mentally, it's just something that I, I like to push myself. And it goes back to being a numbers game. Same yep. thing with the bending and doing uh, That's why I like um, uh, sometimes snapping was fun because it's just uh, you're trying to beat the clock and it was fun. But lately, I haven't bent much. Uh, not like I was for a while there. I was attacking the, the long bar, the half inch by one inch uh, flat stock. Yeah. Down to, uh, I got to come with 35 inches, I believe. And then I went for 33 and couldn't quite get it. Oh, wow. So that's my favorite because the flat stock looks so cool when, you, when it's bent. Yeah. I like it better than round. Just, and that and just it's easier because once you do get a kink in it you don't have to guess where your kink is it's either yeah. on one side or the other <laughs> yeah yeah that's a i've attempted the one by half by 35 and i've had no luck with that thing yeah i i made a big jump uh so i had 
I had a bunch of stock cut to one by half by uh, 48. So like the long-term training for the Goliath, you know? And uh, so I had it all cut to four foot and I turned 35 back in October. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool if I chop one of these down to 35 and bend it on my birthday. Didn't happen. <laughs> I think I yeah, just- Yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah. Because not only is the start harder, but then once you get to that transition where you got to put it on the bicep, yeah. Because the length's shorter, you don't have that leverage. And that's yeah. the issue I ran into when I went, because I jumped from like 37 down to 30, because uh, every two-inch jump, the leverage has changed drastically. Yeah. So now yeah. what you used to be strong at, you're like, I can't reach that spot anymore. Yeah. And those those mid and long bar bends, I felt like it takes me longer to recover. Like, so right now in my own personal training, uh, I'm... I'm chasing some deadlifting and uh, some other stuff. So I'm, I don't want to be hurting from the bending to not be able to do my weight training. You know what I mean? So it's like, I've, I'm just reaching a good balance because right now the current steel shredder for David Horn is a, a sequence of unbraced snaps out here. Right. And uh, that I can do without too much detriment to my, my body. I can work that into a routine and, I don't feel like I'm, I need a day to recover. So that's been good, but I want to get back to some of those long and mid bars soon. I found that long bar as is more full body than it is hand and wrist. Mm -hmm. Cause like starting it, especially if you started on the leg, you got to have strong biceps and back more yeah. than anything. Uh, Cause I've noticed some of the guys they'll use the thumbless technique, which is basically means they're just pulling with their back and doing a row to start it and that's been one of my issues is i can't get it started because biceps been a weak spot for me because for years like i told you earlier i was an anti-gym bro so i didn't bench and i didn't <laughs> curl so after neglecting those for like seven eight years it's like man my biceps are pitiful and and my bench is terrible granted i don't really care about the bench but it's just because I arm wrestled too for a while and you need strong arms for arm wrestling. <laughs> and um, I did all right in the novice, but once you get to the open class, all of a sudden it's like, you can't just be all right. You have to be strong and technical. And since I didn't have much table time, I went from being the, the strong guy that dominated novice to now it's like, Hey, I'm getting my butt kicked Yeah, because I don't have the right strength in certain areas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, man, arm wrestling. It just sounds so painful. I just feel like it can be, Yeah, uh, but it, I've, I just like competing. I've done strongman. I've done, um, grip sport. I've done arm wrestling. I've done power lifting. Yeah. I've even at times my uh, younger sister wanted to do five K's out of nowhere. So, uh, I haven't ran in two years. She's like, you want to do a five K in a month? It's like, sure. And then I, I get like one run in and then next thing you know, I run it and believe it or not, I actually took first in my age group. It's okay. like, I don't run, <laughs> but it, that goes back to the mental thing of pushing your body. Granted, yeah. I couldn't really function properly for a few days after, but it's like, Hey, I won. Yeah. But I, I just like to compete. Yeah. And, um, after all these years, cause as you know, you and I are the same age. It's like, especially in grip sport, you see guys like 
Chris Rice in their 60s and even Don Larkin was doing grip feats into his 70s. We got some more good years in us. Yeah. Uh, and grip, you can keep getting stronger because eventually our deadlifts and our full body strength, we're going to hit a peak. Yep. And yep. then uh, you, once you hit that peak, you're, you're going to go down. But grip, as from what I've seen, grip, you can continue, continue to make progress. Yeah, that's what I hear too. And I, I really find that very inspiring. I'm glad to hear that because I'm enjoying all this stuff and I, I hope to have a bunch more good years in it. <laughs> so what's a normal training week looking like for you these days? I see that I see what you post, but there's got to be other stuff that's going on behind the scenes. My training has always been based around like one big day. Um, and granted, I train almost seven days a week. Uh, even years ago, it was always deadlift day. I focused on basically and you know top end partials. Even though my deadlift's not that great, I've had it, it, back injuries along the uh, along the way. But and it's weird. My training week always starts on a Friday or Saturday. It's always been that way, and it's always been like in this case, it's partial day. So I I, I start off doing like my neck work and calf work, and then I'll hit. I'll rotate through. Uh, top end rack pull, top end squat, and then um, uh, overhead support. Um, I'll alternate those with the focus right now being on the top end rack pull. And then after that, I'll do a carry or a walk that's similar to that in case of the top end squat, it's a yoke. And then in case of rack pull, it's a farm. And uh, my basement's 20, uh, uh, my mats are 20 feet, so I got 20 feet of distance. So I just try to increase the weight each week on that 20 feet walk. Wow. And uh, that's basically my big day. And then after that, the next day I'll do curls, uh, some uh, T-bar rows, and then wrist training. With uh, As uh, the other uh, last, last Sunday, I started doing the seated plate curl like Adam. Because mm -hmm. for a while there, I, I love plate curls. I've done a 35 um, multiple times, uh, which is surprising with my small hand. But now with the seated plate curl, I'm, I'm messing with the 45. And wow. I'm starting to get partial reps with that. And that's a world of difference from the 35. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not quite like Adam trying two 45s together, which even <laughs> Adam said in his video. It's like, this was a little nuts and I probably shouldn't have tried it, but I had to. Yeah, yeah. And me being the person I am, I, I wasn't in no way, shape, or form ready to do this. I grabbed two 35s and sandwiched them together. And then I sat there. It's like, no, this yeah, is going to hurt yeah. my thumb. It's <laughs> like, but it was worth a shot. But yeah, yeah Sundays is heavy wrist training. And then uh, Mondays, I do a bottom position bench and then some uh, pull-ups. Uh, uh, in this case, pinch pull-ups, rope pull-ups on two-inch thick ropes. And I do them for singles in between the pressing. So I just, like yesterday, I did 50 pounds around my waist for the rope pull-ups and the crusher pull-ups, and then 20 pounds on the pinch pull-ups. So I wow. just do the bench, and then I do three singles at each pull-up. So in that way, the weight's heavy, and it's more grip-focused than back, because the back was hit the day before with T-bar rows. And then uh, Tuesday comes around, and it's camber bar squats. And I use a camber bar because my left... Uh, shoulder slash bicep tendon acts up on me. So that camber bar puts me in a nice spot. So yeah. it doesn't bother that. 
and then I might do a carry or something after that. And then uh, Wednesday, I, I usually take off. And then Thursday, I do top end uh, floor press lockouts because uh, I, I really like those, especially for like the push down on your uh, horseshoes, the spot where you push it on your leg, uh, because that little bit of range of motion gives you that extra tricep push. And I like to do those in overhead partials. And then uh, Friday, I, I might do some more curls or something, but currently that's it. But when I was bending uh, Sundays and Tuesdays uh, would be my bending days. And I do like um, uh, long bar would be what I finished up with. So I'd be all warmed up from all the other training. And then I finish it with a long bar because I knew it could take between five and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you probably found once you start bending it, you don't want to stop. Oh, yeah. The most exciting thing, and you probably found it, is as soon as that steel starts to move, you get excited. Some oh, people yeah. are like, isn't that painful? It's like, yeah, but once it starts bending, you get that smile on your face. And um, I don't get excited much, but things like that or when the bar starts to just move off the pins, it's like, yeah. Yeah. But, and for a while, for years, my favorite was horseshoe bending because it just looks so cool to me. And I mean, I did all right for a while, but seeing videos of like Adam dominate a diamond classic or a diamond special number five in like 20 seconds mm -hmm. um, with almost no effort, that was pretty cool. Or the old videos of Adam was just like do six or seven horseshoes right in a row for time. It's yeah. like, or Rinderly when he did a uh, St. Croix uh, light plane number three in his boxers when he was doing the uh, uh, Cletus. Um, I mean, when he got done, he had a huge black and blue bruise on his leg, but it's just like most people can't even move that shoe and he's doing it with barely any padding on his bare leg. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you see the videos of Wes Inman moving those AB shoes that shouldn't be moved. I mean, those shoes are about as long as our arm without even opening them. And he's just casually just moving them in the back. And then, I mean, he only gets a partial bend, but it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And because of all that bending, I've noticed because I bend on the left side of my body, that my core is a lot stronger than the other side. So when I do one arm farmers um, or something of that nature, it's a world of difference. The one side I can barely pick up the weight. The other side I'm walking 20, 30 feet without any effort. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the stuff, I mean, man, when I got exposed to this stuff and it's, it hasn't even been long. Right. But it's just like, I tell all my friends, like, you don't know what strong is like these guys that I've met, like, and seen, what you guys are up to it's it's truly truly in, inspiring i was like there's just there's a big difference between like you know someone that you might think is strong in your regular corporate gym and then what what you're up to well, there's what so, up to there's so many different facets of strength but if you look at dennis rogers pat povolitis or uh david rickham over in uh, sweden yep. they're all they're not very big guys but when you look at what they do I mean, some of the, the net supports that Pat does or just lifting the, the stones or the uh, engines, 
um, before he tears, not, let alone the tearing feet, but the supports doing that, that's even crazy. Yeah, or, yeah. or the steel that Dennis has bent. I mean, David uh, Riverham, um, uh, forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong, but he was friends with um, Mike Rinderly, and he's bent some of the biggest out there, and he's about our size. Yeah, he, I mean, he's not very big. You look at him and you're like, how the heck is he doing that? He's because when incredible. most people think of strong, they think of guys like uh, Hawthorne, uh, the, um, Brian Shaw, they think big, strong guy. And then they disregard uh, what we're doing in the world of grip and uh, steel bending. Because, like, look at Ye. I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's doing insane. He's our size, and he's pinching up an inch dumbbell like yep. it's nothing. <clears throat> Yep. And uh, if you watch his videos, he, he's doing uh, pull-ups on the tips of his fingers, the very tips on little ledges. I mean, that is pain tolerance and uh, strength like you wouldn't believe. And it's oh, hard yeah. to measure that. Yeah. And people don't realize that. I mean, yeah, we're not picking up a thousand pounds and walking with it, but you try to uh, bend the steel that Dennis has. It's not easy. I've been a crescent wrench one time and uh, seeing him do a crescent wrench like it's nobody's business, it's like <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, all those guys, if you look back, find old videos of uh, John Beatty, uh, uh, Steve Weiner, uh, 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 Dave Lemensky, um, Pat Povlitis, there's old videos out there where they're doing insane feats of strength just in, you know, like we are in garage gyms. I mean, the stones that's has 340 pounds smooth stone and he laps it and does reps with it and he's like yeah this is my standard stone and it's like i wish i could just pick that up yeah and th those guys are strong but yet you look at them they look like normal people yep no doubt about it yeah it's unreal uh, yeah i had uh Wigren on the show he was great and um he's i don't know if you've seen what he's been doing recently but he's doing like this acrobatic like uh stuff on this pole like he's doing like flagpole like vertical sideways holds just like oh the human flag yeah crazy crazy stuff and then all this like uh stuff adam was doing that for a while there adam gave up heavy lifting and was doing crazy human flags and different body positions which uh you, you think about the transition he did from doing all the heavy steel to uh the stuff he was doing there for a years was like, how does your body do all that movement on one arm? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you probably seen the videos of him doing pinch muscle ups. Yep. I mean, who would have thought, I mean, I thought when I saw him do a pinch pull up, um, <laughs> that that was cool him. Or if you uh, see videos of Brad Johnson, um, uh, doing Raptor walks, stuff like that is nuts. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what's being done uh, out here. It's just like totally inspiring. Um, so you said you, you, you're pretty much training every day of the week with the exception of Wednesday. Uh, as yeah, for the most part now, for a while there, like when I was heavy into plate curls, I did kind of like what Adam's doing now. I was plate curling every day and I was doing, I was hitting different rep ranges. Like I was going for either max, um, like singles with the 35 and the 33, or as going for high rep sets with the, the 25 uh, alternating. And I 
rafter from Ryan Pitts, but I feel if you want to attack pro, you have to actually use plates. Yeah. Because it's no different than bending. If you want to get you can get all these bending trainers, but if you don't have the steel, you won't get the feel. Or like arm wrestling, table times. Uh, I used John Brzezink. The guy never uh, never used weightlifting, but he was on top of arm wrestling for 20-plus years. And he yeah. even said, I never weightlifted, but and he, he table time for, for hours. I mean, if you want to be good at something, you have to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we know that from grappling, right? There's people yeah. always come in and are like, oh, what do I need to do to, like, get good at this? It's like, just this? <laughs> like, be on the mat? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, wrestling or um, grappling, as you found, is one of the hardest workouts out there. There's nothing quite like it. Because when you're done, you're not only gas cardio, but you're, um, every muscle in your body's dead. Yeah. I mean... Uh, trying to grab somebody's leg and take them down repetition after repetition or grab them in the case of wrestling, you got them in a cradle, just locking them like that. And they're trying to tear apart. You do that for 10 minutes, even uh, you're tired. Cause when I um, was in college wrestling a little bit at Mott community college, our coach is trying to try work us up to an hour of wrestling nonstop. And when I say hour, basically hour of takedowns, you, you took the guy down, let him up. You kind of worked him a little bit, but that was the goal. And that, that was hard. Yeah. I, mean, I wound up having to leave wrestling because of my grades halfway through, but we were up to a half hour and it was no like after that half hour, everything else was easy. Yeah. Cause you figure you're, you're wrestling half hour. Then when you go to the mat for three, two minute periods, that's easy. It's oh, like yeah. two minutes. I just did a half hour straight of getting my butt kicked. Yep. Yep. Oh, absolutely. You know, actually, I want to ask you something, and it's something I've struggled with in my own training. And, and the, the theory behind jujitsu and wrestling is a little bit different. So you might not have had the same thing. Um, but something I've struggled with in my own lifting is just like creating that body tension, right? So from from doing long rounds of jujitsu, which can, can be a lot more passive than wrestling, right? So it's like with the guard position and everything like that. Right. But I, I've conditioned myself to, to stay so loose to maintain my gas tank, you know, if I am doing a 10 minute competition. Like I know if I'm, if I'm tense the whole time, I'm not gonna la last, right? So when I transition to strength training, uh, my coaches are like body tension, body tension, because I'm lifting loose all the time because I've, uh, I've sort of conditioned myself to like stay loose, even though I'm going to try to be strong. Right. So it's like, did you ever have any issues with well, that? Well, well, one thing like uh, with the squat holds where you stand up and just hold the weight or mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like what you're talking about. Normally when you pick up a heavy weight to hold it, you want to kind of like hold your breath and tense up, but because you're going in it, now you have to kind of relax. You said, but at the same time, be tight because if you don't, if you're too tense, you're gonna pass out. Yeah. But but if you're too loose, uh, you could get hurt and or drop the weight. So yeah. you yeah. gotta find that happy meet. Have to learn to use breathing to, um, kind of like regulate that. I mean, I'm not big into the science of breathing, but based off of what Steve Weiner told me. 
is if you just take small, short breath when something like that, you can stay tight but loose at the same time. So now you're just standing there with 800 pounds on your back. And, but it's like you're, and I could have a conversation with you yeah. like it's nothing, gotcha. uh, which is kind of what you're trying to, you want to get to that point where you're tight, but you're not overly tight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's been... it, it's It's hard because uh, when you first do it, you're thinking in your head, it's like, I want to hold my breath. And I want to be tight, but if I am, I'll pass out. And <laughs> it's one of those things. If you get under a heavy weight, you, you'll do it on your own because if you don't, you're either gonna, like I said, pass out, or you or you won't get very far. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of I had to learn it because it's like, let's try this. I get under it, and it's like, what do I do? And then you then you turn into uh, the grappler or wrestler mode where it's just like. Instead of thinking about what you do, you just do it. Because if you're on the mat thinking about what move you're going to do next to your opponent, he's already got you in a hold or he's yeah. already pinned you. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking, I'm going to take down this leg. And then you're on your back. It's like, oh, too late. You got <laughs> exactly. to think ahead of him. And that's kind of what you have to do with those heavy holds or in, even like farmer's walks. If you think about it too much, you're probably not going to get it. But it's a hard it was a hard learning process for me because it's like, what do I do? This this weight is so heavy. I want to stay tight, but then I'm not going to keep it. Yeah. And, and you don't want to pass out with a heavy weight on your back. No. I mean, <laughs> you, you, and if you do, just don't post that on the internet because then you'll wind up on one of those gym bail videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't want that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a weird, weird thing. And I was like, kind of getting down on myself, like, why isn't this clicking, you know, and then I realized like, oh, this is, this is actually something I've developed to be a better grappler is like staying loose. Uh, if I, you know, because there's no pins in jujitsu, right? So it's a, right. the and submission. You, you guys want to be on your back where uh, our first thing in wrestling is yeah. stay off your back. Right. So you right. guys, uh, so you, we're constantly giving somebody our back. So we're yep. not on ours where you're doing the opposite. You don't <laughs> want to give them your back. You'd rather be on the ground. So it's, yep. so, so it's a little different, but at the same point, if, if you're like a guy like Chuck Liddell and you don't have to worry about it, cause then you always, um, you're always, your takedown defense is awesome and you never get taken down. Cause I think I've seen that guy get taken down maybe once or twice. Right. And then he pops right back up. Oh yeah. Really, really good counter wrestling. Um, I wanted to talk to you about just a little bit more about the rest because uh, me again, I'm newer. Right. And, and, and just like, I, I spent a lot of time, especially back in like November, I was just pushing myself too hard, bending too much, lifting too much to the point where I was just like burn out. And I had a bad month where I was like, really just didn't feel strong. And it took me a while. I also did like a feat for Bud's uh, Noah's Army thing. And I snapped like 24 grade eight bolts in a row. And it's like fried my CNS bad, I think. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And um, so just snapping one of those is hard enough but to do that many it's like yeah you're getting there <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do you just play it by feel because there's or maybe you're just in it so long that you really you just know to keep the dial just right where you're not going to need rest days like just let's i'd like to hear about rest recovery stuff i'm terrible at recovery stuff i <laughs> i have a bunch of recovery tools i know what i need to do because Andy and I talk about it all the time about how 
uh, oh, we should do stretching. We should do yoga. We uh, recovery, um, ice baths, contrast baths. Yeah, I don't do any of that. I mean, I have a hard enough time trying to do cardio, which I should do because me mentally, I don't see, you don't see the results right away. So for me, it's like weightlifting. It's like, I see the results and I'm pushing myself where it's kind of hard when you're doing like a yoga pose to see your progress. But then that goes back to Adam's multi-year plan. He's like, if I start here, if you watch his videos on like the back bridge, he started off barely being able to do it. Now he can like walk on the back bridge. Like it's nothing. Yeah. But uh, as far as uh, right, like, like right now I came up with, um, to kind of like the max effort method for West side with my partials. And I found that if I do like the top end or the, the rack pull every other week, I can progress and then I'll do the rack squat one week. So it'd be like top end rack pull, top end squat, then top end rack pull again, then a support uh, because the overhead support is going to be the lightest weight. Cause like right now that's 330 pounds as opposed to the 1130. So yes, the, the, the intensity is the same. It's that, you know, a hundred, but the stress on the body is a lot less. So I kind of manage that by the exercise selection as far as those go. And right now, as far as everything else, I'm using the five, three, one. So, you know, you have your, uh, uh, I don't know if you've read five, three, one, 90, and then the next week it's 65, 75, 85. So it kind of regulates me that way. But as far as rest and deload weeks, I don't do them. I, I, use, I have a hard time lifting light. So well, years ago when I did 531 as written on my deload week, I just didn't lift. I just, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to lift light. I just won't lift. And then I started back up. I mean, cause I know that goes, people say, but uh, that's why I kind of like bending. I cycle it. I'll get into it pretty hard. I'll do it for like six, seven months. But then, like you said, you, you get burnt out on certain things and then I got to swap. But I don't know to cut back until I get burnt out. I just go until something gives, which is not the smartest move. But usually it's do you get burnt out CNS wise like I started off, like you said, on the half inch by one inch, 48 inches. And I cut down. I worked my way over like three, four months, something like that. And I got down to the 33, but then it wouldn't budge. And I was just exhausted. And mentally, for me, the biggest thing is when I get mentally wore out. Because I, I, the body can withstand tons of punishment. But when you're out of it mentally, that's when you need a change because i think you've probably read of all the people that swap programs too many times and they don't give it time enough to develop and everybody's out there is looking for the quick easy program jim wendler said uh years ago on one of his um uh, interviews lift for 10 years and then start asking questions yeah try it out i mean trial by error it's like what you're finding out because Years ago, there wasn't much on steel bending or card tearing or grip feats in general, and grip sport was fairly new. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't even weight classes uh, when I first started. I mean, you go to a contest, a guy like you or I, we'd go up against guys like Jed and Adam and just get, uh, we'd be towards the bottom of the barrel, but that's just how it was. Yeah, and then finally, they developed weight classes 
And now, like in, uh, if you were to compete and if I got the contest weight, you and I would probably be 74 kilo class, but it's more kind of like a level playing field where before it's just like, there was no info. You had to really dig, which I think the guys that we talked about, that's why they got strong because there wasn't much out there. They had to toy around and play with it. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think there's too much info information right now and not enough people want to dig through the crap and find the good stuff because mm -hmm. there is a lot of crap, but there is like the individuals we talked about in the, the books that we talked about that is great stuff. Because if you started with Steve Justice's book uh, or dinosaur training for ideas, I mean, you're, you're ahead of the game. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's just been, um, you know, just recently. So it's like, I don't know if you heard it on other episodes or whatever, but briefly it was like, I, I always kind of played around with, you know, I had a weight bench or something, but never spent too much time with it. Jujitsu was my thing. You know, it was like, I'm doing this as much as I can every day. And, um, uh, but I always felt like one facet of my overall game was like, I was, I guess, fairly strong for my size or whatever, but it wasn't, no one would be like, Cody's a strong guy. So I knew when things shut down here in New York, this, I, I just finished my basement and someone had given me a bench and squat rack combo, not, not like a cage or anything, but like just, just enough to, to keep me going. So I was like, boom, this is, this is my time right here. I'm, I can't grapple. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a coach and I'm going to dedicate everything I have to strength training. And that's where I found grip and then through steel bending. But where I'm going with this is like, even along the way in just this year of dedicated training, I've had these moments like, is this working? You know, or like, do I need to twist this or whatever? Like, and try to, cause the world is so short-sighted and, and it, I didn't think of strength in the way that I think of jujitsu. It's like, no one's going to be a black belt in any less than 10 years, you know, like no one normal. And so I was like looking at it really short-sighted and it's just been, as I approach a year of like dedicated strength training, I've been talking with my coaches and stuff like that. It's like where I feel like I'm even understanding it on like a white belt level, you know, like where, th where I'm actually feeling the spot where like, Oh, I need to lift this much. It's just like, I'm just having this revelation. That's like, I've been doing it for a year and it's just actually starting to make sense, you know? <laughs> like, but it's not a, it's not a sprint. You get right. that. And you got to do it almost like Adam says, you got to look how, what are you going to be doing in four years? Cause look at it like Olympic lifting, they prepare for a contest in four years. So their whole cycle is not about what they're doing um, this year. It's like the Olympics are four years from now. My clean and jerk is this right now. And Louis Simmons writes about it. They're, they're planning four years in advance what to get there where you and I might just be planning for a contest in, uh, three months from now. Yeah. So it's a world of difference. Cause when you think about it in those terms, uh, yeah. You, or just like I said, you look uh, 10 years ago, I did a six fifteen rack pull. I was like, I'm cool as shit. And now <laughs> you look at it, you're like, if I don't get over a thousand, you're like, Oh, that was all right. 
But who would have thought, I would have never thought if you would have asked me back then, I'd be lifting the weights I am now or bending the steel or doing the feats. It, yeah. Eventually you, you, you maze yourself. I yeah. mean, cause uh, the body, it, it, if your if you get your mind right, you can do amazing things. And that's what realize it's, it, you just have to find your plan, whatever you like, or, uh, and just work it. I mean, and th- you can't be like, oh, well, I have weak points. Just think everything's weak. And then yeah. even your strong points, just tra- train everything as if it's weak. So because like certain people, like in Mike's case, his deadlift and rack pulls got him to where he was. So uh, what uh, he did, and uh, he actually wrote something where it's like, don't neglect your strong points because if you always try to do your weak points you're gonna always be average because something got you there um don't neglect your weak points but also don't forget what got you there yeah and like in the case of me shrugs and neck also got me there and same thing with pinch because when i got into grip sport to me grip sport the number one thing is euro pinch when i think of grip sport the first thing i think of is uh, years ago that was the lift I mean, it's not done as much anymore, but you you hear about David Horn over there. They would do pinch. And for years, like Jed even has the DVD road to the the record, which is all about two handed pinch. And uh, and if you think about it, it hits all areas of your grip, your fingers, your your thumb. I mean, a lot of people would grip and uh, even benders, they neglect their thumb, which is a key uh, key thing and for me for years I I pinched everything and I for my hand size uh, my thumb is pretty big and I didn't uh, my thumb pad I didn't think it was until I met Dave Whitley uh, down in Tennessee I, I was working down there and I went to his gym and he he said wow look at that thumb Dave's a big guy and he's got thick hands and for him to say that my my thumb pad was huge it's like wow <laughs> but but it was neat meeting him down there because I was just down there for work and it's like oh yeah my gym's like down the road so I met up with him and he let me train there before his gym closed and oh, nice. awesome guy uh, another one that's awesome at steel bending and uh, card tearing yeah I mean I think it was last uh, last year, the year before, he had that uh, uh, rip October where it was just like a whole month of card tearing. And oh, I cool. used that to just do different card feats. Like I put a 500 on a safety squat bar, stood up with it, tore a deck of cards. Nice. I mean, I had fun with it. Granted, I'm not doing bomb bikes because, you know, they can get expensive, but it's just heck, t- tearing a deck of Mavericks in various forms is, is still pretty good. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I mean, because you you figure you 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 got five hundred pounds on your back. Most people can't even lift five hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. and now you're tearing a deck of cards, or you're doing like um, uh, David Horn did with the uh, having the Zercher squat and bending steel. Yeah. I think I had uh, three four uh, three fifteen in my arms, and I tore a deck of cards. Nice. And then, as you saw, you did that plank challenge so i was like i can do that with cards yeah <laughs> yeah that well, was cool. i mean i i take ideas even from people like you it's just like i see your feet and it's like i might not be steel bending but heck let's do it with cards yep because yeah. i just 
it's not the best thing sometimes to try what everybody else is doing, but for the end of the workout, as long as it doesn't derail your program and it makes your training exciting, go for it because you're going to benefit. It's, it's like, I never thought I'd be able to hang 65 pounds from my wrist and tear a deck of cards. Yeah. I mean, cause I can't curl 65, but it's like somehow or another, I was able to tear a deck of cards with that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's why it's cool to see like your challenges, the things David Horn's doing with standing, because oh, yeah. it gives, uh, I take from everybody. I see the things Steve uh, Wiener does. I see what Adam does. I follow Adam. Uh, quite a bit on his YouTube videos because uh, if you see Adam thing multiple times in a row, he's probably got, like you said, a multi-year plan for a goal that nobody else knows about. Yeah. It's like, cause some people are like, Oh, he's using a power. And their odds are he's got a plan uh, further down the road for that power twister It's helping him do something. Yeah. And people don't realize that Adam's a smart guy. It's just, he takes baby steps. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys out there where if you actually just pick apart their training, you'll see they have a multi-plan. It just might not be noticeable. You might take a few months of studying their stuff to find it. Yep, yep, definitely. And you have It's just like grip sport. You have to break apart lifts, like the two-handed pinch. That was one lift that for – because my best on that at 74 kilo class, nine the, the record still, since it hasn't been contested, is 200 by Eric Milfeld. Um, a, a year, years back, he cut a, a crap ton of weight to compete in that class, and oh, wow. he kicked all our butts. I took third that year. That was my very first nationals, but probably my favorite contest because I got the first time competing, me and Andy went there. I met Eric, who's a great guy, but he dominated because he had lost, I think, like 60 or some odd pounds. And one time he posted his meal and it, uh, this meal on uh, the grip board, it's like fish, a handful of nuts, uh, uh, peanuts or something and something else. And uh, somebody commented, oh, that's a great post-workout meal. It's like, no, that's all I ate all day. Wow. <laughs> because he was dedicated to get down to the 74 kilo class and he did and he kicked our butt i mean that day he did 200 uh two-handed pinch i think he had like a 340 uh axle and the gripper he did like a 165 gripper and he wow. just uh because back then grip sport you had the big three you had a gripper uh your two-hand pinch and your and the goal was to get 800 pounds to, uh, like an 800 total kind of yeah, like your yeah. powerlifting total yep and that was for a lot of us something to shoot for even though us little guys it was a lot a lot harder to get there but that was just one of those things where it's like man i was good at two-handed pinch it's like i might be able to get that someday <laughs> even though i'm terrible at grippers and i don't like them and i found grippers only help grippers yeah yeah a lot of people are like, oh, I do hand grippers for uh, wrestling or jujitsu. Yeah. They don't mimic anything. You're better off doing pinching and uh, fat bar work yep. because that mimics grabbing somebody's arm, leg, because you're, you're mainly, as you know, you're grabbing them with your thumb. And if you don't have that thumb power, your fingers are useless. Yep. Yep. Uh, especially Same thing with steel bending. If you can't hang on to it, it's it's no good. 
Yeah. So before we head into the uh, rapid fire section, I wanted to just touch on the partials and the weighted carries real quick. I just wanted to have you go into those a little bit more. So what specifically are you getting? You said overloading the skeletal system. Well, you're doing all these partials. Like, so obviously you have a love for them. What, what is the big benefit that you're getting out of them these days? Uh, basically, uh, like, like over the, like the skeletal um, stuff and, and overall just body strength. And you can't get much functional than these heavy carries like farmers walks, sandbag carries, stone carries, uh, yoke carries. Cause if you think about it, how, how many times have you laid down and did, did a bench press in real life? Right. <laughs> it's not a very functional lift. Some people will want to argue that, but I've never just laid down as like, oh, I'm going to push this up. But there's always times where you got to carry something heavy and it's just, and I don't like the term functional because all lifting is functional because there's really no muscle bound people like they used to talk about in the early days of lifting. Uh, like when my dad was a kid, coaches would say that'll make you muscle bound and slow, which we found that's there's some big guys like we'll use Novikov, an example. That guy can sprint or Mario Spujanowski. They're sprinting with 350 pounds in each hand yeah. or faster than I can sprint without any weight. It's like <laughs> that's nuts. But yeah, that, that's the big thing is it overloads the body and, and mentally it, 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 it mentally it just pushes me and it's it's a mental thing because it's like that much weight. It's it's just you don't have barriers after that. You don't you don't go up to like a normal, let's say, 300 pound squat. You, you, it doesn't bother you. You're not worried about getting stuck because you had 900 on your back. Yeah. Now, do these partials actually help the the full range lift? No, in my opinion, because like that top end rack pull, the mechanics is not the same because I'm dipping under the weight, kind of like um, pulling it up at an angle. Whereas if I was to do that to help my deadlift, I'd probably bend over at the waist and do it. So my poundages would probably be dropped by half. Mm -hmm. So to say that it's actually a, Right now, I'm doing full range lift to help my partials. I'm doing the exact opposite of what most people would do. The whole goal is to get a 1,205 pound rack pull, to do a 1,005 pound stomp, top end squat, and then do a 405 overhead support. Yeah, those those are the goals. And to supplement that, I'm doing floor presses and I'm doing camber bar squats to try to help that. And same thing with I want to walk with about a 750 yoke for 20 feet. And I found that with the yoke, uh, the, the leg strength is my limiting factor because that's why I'm pushing these squats because I have the core strength. And that's another thing. All these partials help build core strength. Yeah. And I found that when I do all these partials, I can't do much ab movements because I wind up hurting my abs by overworking them. So that's one thing while I do all these. And I think you notice I don't wear a belt. The belt yeah. just gets in the way. So I'm doing this 1100 plus pole with no belt. I, I learned it from, I saw a, a straw man, Sean Shoemaker, um, uh, who's an exceptional deadlifter. He, he wrote about how a belt throws him out of position and he's able to uh, use his abs better uh, to deadlift. Wow. So I, I figured I'll try it. And then 
from then, because I used to have a nice thick Inzer leather belt, and then I went to a Spud Ink uh, deadlift belt. They were nice, but as soon as I ditched the belt, I've I've never gone back. I just I just like the way um, it works my core without it. I feel I'm stronger. I know it has helped my bending because, as you know, bending, especially horseshoe bending, takes a strong core. Oh yeah. Because if you don't, if you push too hard, especially on horseshoe bendings, you can pop ribs. And I've done that. <laughs> pop the cartilage in between ribs, going oh. for shoes that are way too hard. And that will set you back about six, seven months. Yeah. I've had that from grappling. <laughs> but no, that's what the parcels do. They help build and they build that tension you talked about. Yeah. Um, which will carry over to bending. I mean, yes. Um, the rack pull might only be a two second lift, but you think about that amount of stress you put on your body in that two seconds, or in the case of the walk, that might be a whole minute walk uh, with 700, 600 pounds on your back because you're taking, you have to brace that much. And then you, you got to coordinate your body on those heavy walks because not only like when the farmers, when you got 270 in each hand, you're not only thinking about your grip, you're thinking about your steps, you're thinking about your breathing. So your yeah. body's got to coordinate. And then when it starts slipping in your hand, you're focusing on that finger. You're like, it's, that's why I do all of those. Cause I think it's more functional as far as helping you with other things. Yeah. And it's biggest thing is it's fun. It's yeah. fun to say, I picked up 1100 pounds because yeah. I'm an ego lifter. <laughs> I, I don't leave my ego at the door. I pick it up and I make it bigger. So it's like, let's push the weight heavier and heavier. It's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. I can't get a single. Let's go for like a, a 30 rep max. Yeah. Something, things people wouldn't even think of. It's like, why would you go for a, a hundred rep max or something like that? Because it's, it, it's, it's fun in a way. And it's, it's like Adam used to say PR every day. That's yeah. the way I to take my training. I, try to PR every day on something. It, it could be just a dumbbell concentration curl. Hey, I got a rep PR or yep. something. It's something to boost the morale for the next session. No, that 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 mindset of PRing every day and then also like working the feats and uh, that's something I find that's very unique to this community that's really cool that I think like people are missing out if they're not doing that type of stuff because it's like the, the person that might be just going to planet fitness and running whatever, like, I, I don't, they, they might never get to test their strength. You know, it's like the, the only thing they get to go on is maybe like just doing a little bit more on whatever machine. I think these feats, you know, card tearing in the plank, uh, steel bending, whatever, whatever they are, is just like this, cool way to demonstrate this thing that you work on and it, it for me i just get so much out of it it's cool and that plank was harder than the card tearing because i don't <laughs> do planks so when i got done my core was shot it's like yeah. my arms feel fine i mean but the plank was terrible yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no and then as you're starting to get your home gym that's another thing about having a home gym because i've my first house i bought at 24 i had 
I bought a power rack and like a barbell and 500 pounds of plates from Elite FTS. And I had an arm wrestling table before I had furniture. <laughs> that's, that's the awesome. first thing I did. It's like, I got that and I've not looked back. I've only trained at a commercial gym when I went out of town for work and I'd, it'd be an anytime fitness, but I worked to a point where I would leave work at like four 30 and take a nap. So I could train at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Cause nobody'd be there. Yeah. So then, yeah. so then I wouldn't have to worry about people bothering me or, um, uh, people curling in the squat rack, which I'm all right with. If you want to, cause I've seen some arm wrestlers do some heavy, heavy curls that they need the rack. Yeah. But most people, as you know, they're sitting on the leg extension, just um, <laughs> watching a movie. It's like, come on. Yeah. Or they go into leg press, which leg press is an awesome exercise if you do it right. Um, because there's some guys like Yoko Hola and even Sean Shoemaker, great deadlifters that swear by the leg press for leg strength. Even Nick Best mm. uses the leg press yeah. and his deadlifts are phenomenal. So it can be a great exercise. But you see too many people, they just sit there and they load up like four plates and then they barely move their knees. So that's, I'm not a fan of commercial gyms. And my dad always told me, it's like, well, once you buy this stuff, you know, you'll have it forever. Cause like my farmer's handles, you see, I got those for my birthday when I was 18. So 18 okay. years ago, I got those. And those things have, uh, I mean, when I lived at my mom and dad's house, they have a 200 yard driveway. So I'd take those. All the way down and back and now at my house i take them down my driveway or i use them in the basement those things once you get them uh you, you won't look back you'll never want to go to a commercial gym i mean i mean some people are, and the people that say well i need a training partner you don't need a training partner it's great sometimes to train with people but if you really want it you don't need a training partner yeah i mean because as you see with your feet and the stuff you're doing uh, what's a training partner going to do when you're going for a snapping feed? Yeah. It's all you. It's just like on the mat. As soon as that whistle blows or that bell goes, your whole team, they're, they're off to the side. They're not helping you. Yeah. And whoever says it's a team sport, uh, when you get pinned, you're, where was your team? <laughs> yeah. Where were you? I was on my back. Where were you? Yeah. No, no, I, I really always have loved individual uh, pursuits, you know, like I was into skateboarding as a kid and then into the grappling thing. And I like, and I like the strength stuff just for that same, same reason, you know, the, all the glory is mine and all the, the defeat is also on me, you know. And people got us uh, love the process and sometimes I like to process more in competing because I'll actually a contest is coming up. I'll get bummed out because I have to stop my normal training Saturday for the contest. It's like, <laughs> and I'm thinking about the next Saturday, what am I going to do now? Because you can, you can toy around with it. You can try a new feat where with the contest, you kind of got to get that single mindset of having the contest, but you could also do like, kind of like um, Adam was doing for a while. And I had kind of adapted it where you just, make the workout or the, 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 uh, contest, your, your Saturday training, just kind of like, don't, don't stop your training, but just say, mm -hmm. Oh, it's today's going to be two handed pinch. Cause that's, what's at the contest and just train. 
uh, write it in your notebook as these movements are my training yep. for today, but you just happen to do it with a crap ton of friends because uh, if you come to these grip comps, we're all friends. I yep. mean, that's yeah. the neat thing about it, especially like when we uh, uh, would do the contest in Michigan, uh, like King Kong, uh, we do it at Andrew Pankey's house. Andy and I and everybody involved helps um, coach everybody. We Everyone coaches everyone, everybody judges. So you might have three or four judges. I mean, one head judge, but they're all like, ah, that didn't pass. And everybody's honest with one another, yep. because, which is cool. Cause I uh, grip sport, I've met a ton of great people. Like uh, there's people you probably have never even heard of like Dave Thornton, who's um, uh, Dave Horn said at one time was a man with no weakness. I mean, it didn't matter what contest you throw at him he'd always come out in the top four you know, wow. without much training. I mean, and uh, Dave Thornton's been in the game uh, for, I think, 10, 20 years competing. I mean, okay. just like guys like Jed and then even the old timer, Don Larkin from Three Rivers, not much is known about him, but him and David Horn used to send letters to each other in the early 90s and in the 80s. That's I mean, cool. they go that far back and – if you, you, you can find it, there's a Milo with an old uh, article from about um, Don Larkin because there's not much out there on the man. And uh -huh. he was exceptionally strong. He was our size, but he could deadlift uh, around 600 pounds. And uh, even in his 70s, he uh, we had a deadlift contest at his um, place. So he could uh, say he uh, competed in powerlifting six decades. And uh -huh. he actually... Um, he broke, I think, his weight class record by 100 pounds, and it was wow. only his second attempt. I think he weighed like 130, uh, 130 pounds, and he wound up deadlifting like 235 on his oh, second man. attempt, who was just wearing jeans and a flannel. <laughs> I mean, he got up to the bar. I have it on video, and he, he was an intense man. Yeah. I mean, what, the light switch would go off, kind of like over the top. He turned the hat. But you know when he was ready, he'd start yelling, and he comes up to bar, just yanks it off the ground, and then just stands there and holds it, and you're like, yeah. But that's just how he was, and he always used to tell us, visualize and power to the hand. He'd always point to his hand, power to the hand, whatever you're doing. And he used to, after these contests, he used to, um, uh, like Michigan Grip Championships, um, uh, we even had King Kong, I think, there one year, and then World's Strongest Hands that David Horn used to throw. When we'd get done with them, Don would challenge me to different contests, like hanging from a pull-up bar for time. Uh, I think this was like seven years ago. And Don would have everybody else go, then he would go, and then he's like, you're last. Because of the <laughs> mental aspect, Don could barely, at that point, Don could barely raise, raise his arms because of um, – uh, but he spit on his hands like he normally would uh grabbed that pull-up bar and hung for like a minute 10 speed everybody else that was there and then it was my turn and i think i went four minutes and 45 seconds uh, basically when i got done i couldn't open my yeah i told you you'd win and he'd do things like that to me all the time or he'd do uh on his fingertips and he'd just uh hold for time and he kicked my butt because he had that mental aspect. Yeah. And one thing he uh, told me, I don't do it, but he's like, if you want to get good at card tearing, tear newspaper, fold up a newspaper because of all the different folds. He said, it's a lot harder. 
Oh, wow. And what he would do, even in his 70s, they told him not to, but he'd do it occasionally, he'd fold it up and get all intense and just rip it in one quick motion like that. It's like, but yeah, guys like him, um, like we talked about, there's guys um, that are strong that people don't know about. Yeah. And I found those guys through. It's uh, awesome. Dave Thornton, like I said, another guy, Bob Lipinski from uh, Michigan, uh, used to one time uh, I, I videoed him sledge levering to his nose, a 20 pound hammer with a five pound plate slid down the handle. And he did like three sets with his arm almost straight because Bob's got strict rules on hammer levering. It's like if he tilts his shoulder just a little bit, it doesn't count. Yeah. And but amazing people and then like on um most of my friends on are guys from grip or strength community like jed i met jed and communicated with him for a while there as part of his grip authority and that kind of helped me out a bit but i met guys like steve weiner dave horn uh jerome bloom all those guys and you look every one of them's got a special area they're good at yeah. or adam like jerome he's probably the king of king pinch right now yeah, you look yeah. at all the key pinch defeats he does. I mean, that's all he does. And then David, for a while, David the Horn dominated grip sport. There yeah, wasn't yeah. a contest that he didn't win, especially in his class. Yeah. So that's what got me in. And the, like I said, once you go to one, you will, you'll be like, this is awesome because the, everybody was just tight knit. It was a yeah. world of different from my very first powerlifting meet. I went there. Yeah, this was an organization that's no longer around. I show up, I didn't know anybody. And basically I was the odd man out and you could tell uh, it's like when I got up to do my attempts, the room went dead silent and everybody's looking at you. Like, I was like, Oh crap, this is a little <laughs> awkward, but no grip sport. It doesn't mean even if we we've never met you before, once you get up, we're cheering you on, we're giving you tips. I mean, yeah, you might, you might kick my butt, but with the tips I give you, but that's that's what we do. I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, it'd be nice to win. I mean, I've won my share of contests in 74 kilo class, but that's not going to stop me from helping you. Yeah. Because yeah. I almost have more enjoyment from helping somebody uh, like a rookie do something because then I know they're going to make the sport bigger and share it with somebody else. Kind of like the give back thing. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. That's why I like communicating with guys like Steve Weiner. And that's what the, a lot of new guys need to learn is find the people that are good at what you want to do and be nice to them and communicate. And they'll help you out as long as you take their advice. They're, they're more than happy to, uh, happy to help you. Yeah. So many people, they want that quick answer or like Mike Br Bruce has probably talked about it. They're like, what do you do for neck training? But Mike's got like 70 videos out yeah. there explaining. And like, let's say it's Monday. He puts out a video about his three sets of hundred on Tuesday. Somebody will email, uh, send him a message, a comment. What do you do for neck training? Yeah. <laughs> like, did you not just watch his 70 channels or 70 videos on his channel about neck training yeah exactly he lays it right out and if you follow it three sets of 100 three days a week and working up to five days your neck will get strong and big yeah. i know i did it yeah <laughs> follow his program he laid it right out it's can't get any more clear 
Yep. All right. Well, we're going to start wrapping up. So I'm going to take you through the medley. This is a rapid fire series of questions about bending. Are you ready to go? Sure. All right. Favorite thing to bend? Horseshoes. All right. Hardest thing to bend for you? Uh, double overhand anything. All right. Strongest bending style? Uh, re reverse. Okay. Something outside of strength training, bending, this entire world we've been talking about uh, that you enjoy doing? Something unrelated? Uh, I used to go hunting quite a bit, bird hunting. Oh, nice. What's the one bend that got away? Uh, that right now, that's that uh, 33 inch, um, one and a half by, or one inch by uh, half inch bar. So nice. I, I got to get back to that one of these days. Nice. And since we got you, how about what, what's the one uh, lift that's gotten away? What's, what, what's one that sticks with you that you want to get that you've tried? I, I have. Uh, the one lift I want to get that I haven't got is I want to one day get a three times body weight deadlift. Me and you too, man. That's, I that's mean, on my list. But right now the lift I'm shooting for the most is that 1205 rack pull, top nice. end rack pull. I want to just say I got 1205 pounds. <laughs> All right. Here's going to be an interesting one for you. Uh, who's the strongest person, you know, right? That. People struggle with this sometimes, but this could be literally strongest. Some people have said like their grandparents for like struggles and stuff like that. So it's, it's up to you, whatever you make of the question. Yeah. As far as people we know, and like in our community, that's all you can just one because so many strong guys, like we talked about Adam, Steve. So as far as that goes, but as far as dealing with, like adversity, I'd have to say my mom, because like when we were after she divorced my dad, we were in a rough patch where, the, uh, you know, we weren't exactly uh, we were kind of poor. But me and my brother as kids, we didn't know our grandpa moved in and my mom acted like nothing was the matter. I mean, and uh, made our kid childhood like normal you know, like as normal as it could be, we're like, we're just like the kids down the road, but yet we were kind of struggling, but we never knew it because my mom was so strong. And even like when my grandpa passed away, my mom, uh, you, you couldn't tell her pain because she's that kind of a person. And she's kind of like that glue that sticks us all together. So I'd say probably strongest person that I know is my mom. That's good. Good answer. But All as right. far as strength, probably the strongest would be Don Larkin. Yeah, uh, cool. he was the strongest guy at pound for pound I ever, uh, I ever knew with the feats he did, and so yeah, those would be my two people. I, I'd like to see some more footage of uh, Don. I, there's one video of him bending a nail on YouTube. I'm not sure if there's anything else on there, but I'd love to see. I, I got a couple of videos of him deadlifting later on in life. Yeah. Uh, like in his seventies, but there's not much out there on Don. Don made it a, a, a thing to kind of, he didn't want to be in the public eye. People wanted yeah. to interview him, but he didn't really want to. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and when I, as crazy as it sounds, when I would go to his, the contest, him and his buddy, Bob would be there. And I would just sit with my legs crossed like a little kid. And they tell stories about John Grimmick 
And um, even when Don competed in powerlifting in the 80s, with guys like Mike Bridges, Lamar Grant, Ed Cohen in the early days, they talk about competing with these guys or at the old all these things. And I'm just sitting there starry-eyed, just listening to the stories because I read about these in a magazine and they're telling me their firsthand experience meeting these people. Yeah. Yep. So it, it, that was to me pretty cool. But yeah, there's not much out there uh, from about Don, but if you ever get the chance to go to Three Rivers, because every year we kind of have a, a Don Larkin Memorial Contest yeah, where we yeah. do some grip feet, uh, grip stuff that he was... Uh, he liked to do and then we'd always deadlift afterwards have a deadlift contest nice. uh, because de deadlift was don's feet or uh, his lift and every year don would bend a nail for um on his birthday cool. even cool. Uh, all the way till the basically the day he died i remember him bending a nail and most of the time it was in a washcloth yeah That's cool. nail and he'd get off <laughs> all uh, right uh, awesome guy I was glad I got to meet him. And funny thing is he, I took my grandpa to the contest and him and the Don became friends because they were the same age, different life experiences. My grandpa never lifted a weight in his life, but they become best of friends. They used to talk about uh, like the, cause they were both married quite a bit. So they're, uh, they just got along like they're old buddies. That's cool. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> How about uh, best piece of advice you were ever given? I, I, I guess uh, that that's a tough one because I mean uh, I mean we all probably here believe in yourself but it's uh, um, uh, there, there's a lot of things but I guess the best thing I could tell people is uh, just believe in what you're doing because if you believe in it uh, it will work. Yeah, just believe in um, that. And as far as, uh, like you said, compliance is a science. If you just do it, it doesn't take much. If you just right. uh, do uh, 10 minutes of lifting every day or one lift, like there's a video of Bud Jeffries doing a one-arm dumbbell row, a workout in five minutes. Yep, yep. All right. And last question. Funniest reaction a person has had when they find out you spend your time bending nails and i guess we'll include uh lifting thousand pound rack pulls <laughs> oh i get especially like the people i work with uh, i get told that uh, i'm nuts and then they always say uh you get to a weird person that wants you to help them move something or they're just like oh you can just rip that person in half or yeah. oh you can pick that up or or the, the funniest thing, though, is I actually had a guy um, at one of the jobs because I'm, I'm kind of like a dimensional engineer. So oh, okay. I just I just tightened up these um, uh, six mil Allen bolts. And this guy, big guy, tried to come up to me and tell me, hey, um, can you, you give me your Allen wrenches? Uh, the, the bolts are loose. I just looked at him and was like, really? You're going to try to tell me I didn't tighten the bolts tight enough. And that guy <laughs> always gave me a hard time. He didn't believe that I was strong as I was. Yeah. Because he was one of those big guys like, you know, back in the day, I, I squatted 800. Right. But, you know, my, now I got a bum knee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I know, but no, I yeah, I get, I get all kinds of crazy reactions. But 
I guess the 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 reactions that uh, my mom's reactions are the worst because she always thinks that it's kind of like some of the stuff I do is kind of stupid or I'm gonna get get myself hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if um uh, your folks see what you do and they're like, that doesn't look very safe. Yeah. <laughs> Why, yeah, they're, why, they're why would too. you do that? Why would you bend something barehanded? Because I've tried barehanded bending. The, yeah. the, the, the craziest reaction, though, is one time at Andrew Pankey's house, uh, I tried to pull his fully loaded F1, uh, F350 with a, a strap around my throat. <laughs> I, we took a toe strap and literally uh, we got his wife out there. We had just done lifting the, the whole day. So we were going to do this feat because I saw... I think it was Mike Gillette did it uh, with a Jeep and he put a chain around his uh, throat. So I was like, I can do that. So we got his F-350 and then we brought his wife Kate out there and we gave her the camera. And then Andy got, and she's like, what are you guys doing? And Andy gets, um, and, you know, to let the break off. She's like, don't worry about it, Kate, just, just, just film this. And then when she saw what I'm doing, she started yelling, Andy, you're not doing that. So, so then um, I did, I wound up pulling it five yards and then I had broken blood vessels all across oh. my neck. Oh, wow. uh, the, the reaction that the really bad reaction came about three days later from my mom getting me a text message in all caps. What are you doing? You're going <laughs> to hurt yourself. Cause I told my younger brother and sister and they're like, mom, did you know Darren's pulling things with his throat? <laughs> so, so yeah, that was probably the, the worst reaction and funniest funny from his wife andy's wife and then yeah. bad from my mom even oh, though i man. laugh at it now but yeah and don't try that a lot of the stuff i do people don't try that at home yeah. it's not i wouldn't advise pulling things with your neck right, right. unless you're really into it but yeah that's <laughs> probably the funniest thing andy's wife yelling at us both and he's like don't worry about it he's got it under control as i almost pass out yeah all right, Darren. Well, that's it, man. I really thank you for coming on the show. It was a blast. Thanks for having you. me. It was fun. Yeah, man. Well, keep posting the videos. Like I said, you're a major inspiration in my own training and I'm sure many others. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I'll have you back on the show again sometime in the future. All right. You take care, man. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.